0: But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. All right. Hello. Hey there, everybody. It is me, Jan L. Burt, and I am glad to be back again for another episode of the Burt Not Ernie show, the podcast that is all about getting the promises of God into the people of God, because, you know, hello, the promises are not going to do y'all a whole lot of good if you do not have them when you need them. So, you know, am I right? You need him when you need them. You don't need them when you don't need them. So let's get the promises of God into the people of God today. All right, this is episode number 22. And the next episode, 23, is going to be part two about Psalm 1. So um, you can check out episode 21 if maybe you need to listen to that one before you listen to part two on Psalm 1. I know it's weird to have like a two-part podcast that's divided and interrupted by something else, but um, this episode on Matthew is—it's just kind of what the Lord said to do. So that's how we're going to do it. So Psalm one, Matthew six, Psalm one—crazy, but you know, I'm sure somebody will be blessed by it because um, God doesn't tell His servants to do things for random, no good reasons. So we'll see what becomes of all this. Okay. So before we jump into today's verses from Matthew chapter six. Um, And they're going to be words in red. So when we see words in red, where Jesus was speaking, it's, you know, we kind of need to lean in, if that makes sense, like lean in, listen well, make a commitment that you're going to be attentive and obedient, right? Because that's what good disciples are. They, you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. So we need to lean in, be attentive, be obedient, make up our minds in advance that these words in red that we're going to be reading about are important enough for us to value highly. So, um, but anyway, before we, before we get into Matthew chapter six, um, and you have a second here to go ahead and look that up on your phone, if maybe that's something you want to do, but I just kind of want to give you a public service announcement from a woman who is living in quarantine, like the rest of everybody everywhere. And I've just been noticing, noticing some stuff via the wonderful world of social media. And uh, the who I'm noticing it from is a little bit more disconcerting than the what I'm noticing. So I'm noticing this from Christians. Okay, so this is not, uh, that's an important differentiation for me to make. These are believers. These are people that I know that I know, know the Lord and love the Lord. And they're kind of getting derailed and sidetracked a little bit here. So um, my PSA is this, if you are, if you're healthy right now, and especially If you're financially doing okay, you know, and if you're prospering, maybe, right? Like, so if you're in one of those boats or all of those boats at the same time, just please be kind. Could you just seriously please be super kind? Because in addition to being like grateful for those blessings, and those are blessings and they're straight from the hand of God, no good thing comes from anywhere except the Lord. That's James, um, which is a great book to read, by the way. Uh, So if you could just be kind like a lot kinder. That would be so amazing because what I'm seeing, and I'm not the only one, I know some of you are seeing it too. What I'm seeing is so much just wonky, I guess, selfishness for lack of a better word. And it's coming from those who are who are um, uh, Christian influencers, for lack of a better description. Christian influencers are speaking via social media to their followers, sometimes they have a following of like a million people or more. And they're being kind of snivelly, right? There's some super duper selfish talk going on. I would just like to say if that is you, and I don't know why if that is you, you would be listening to my little podcast. But um, if that is you, would you please bite your tongue, like literally bite it if you need to bite it till it bleeds if you need to. Just stop talking about your quote unquote feelings and what you're missing out on and how horrendous it is to not have X, Y, and Z that you'd been planning. My awesome vacation or this new thing that came out that's like the super duper coolest ever and people are sick and dying and unemployed and um, you know, up to their eyeballs in it, not knowing where they're gonna how they're going to make it in the next few months and you're griping about your big thing that isn't getting as big of a takeoff as you wanted and it's all you can focus on. it's all you talk about. It's selfish and it's actually really gross if you are a believer. It's just yucky. So like if you're griping about that, listen, there are people who would give their right arm right now to have your woe is me awful situation, right? Just put it into perspective and reframe it. The kind of behavior... Uh, you know, that complaining attitude, it's just not good. It's really, oh, A, it's something the Lord does not take lightly. He does not endorse a complaining, griping attitude. Um, He just doesn't. And B, social media records it and is saving all of this. So whatever your sour attitude is right now, it's not going to just poof, disappear. And if things happen to get worse, which Hello, eventually they will, according to the book of Revelation, right? One day they will. Maybe not this go round, but they eventually will for sure. If that happens, you're going to really feel like way less than an inch tall when you reflect back on your griping about my dream vacation, or I was going to do this little tour, or I was going to get to talk about, you know, blah, 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 or my work. Well, if your work is the Lord's work, what in the world are you whining about? The only reason you're complaining and fretting and woe is me over something, it's my work that I put into this and now I'm not getting to, yeah, my work. That's right. That's too much my and not enough God. Take your hands off of it and your heart will become less attached to it and you'll be able to see things right now as they really are the way that God wants you to see them, which is as they really are in terms of things spiritually, not just, oh, can't this just rape and go away? Um, There are people that are really in it. They're in it not to win it. They're in it just to survive it. So stop saying that because how much would they love to have your life for even a couple hours just to have a break, a respite from what they're going through. Okay, so that's kind of my, my public service announcement. Just to remind you to be careful what you say. Be careful how you act. Christian influencers, please, please just point people to Jesus. Stop pointing them toward yourself. And remember, please make note of this. This is important, whether you're an influencer or not, because we are all influencers, whether we like to admit it or not. Even if you're only an influencer of one, that's enough, right? There's an accountability and a responsibility that comes with that. So remember that pity and self-pity are just so very terribly, horribly dangerous to humankind. Pity is not the same thing as empathy. Don't pity others. Show them real empathy. Yes. And real Christian love. Yes. Do not allow self-pity into your life, though. Kill it off. Purge it from your heart and your mind. Crucify the flesh in this area. Please, please, pretty please with a cherry on top, please, because this is poison and it is contagious. This week is Holy Week when I'm recording this. Tomorrow is Monday, Thursday. And then it's Good Friday. You know, Then we roll into Easter Sunday. Can you just take a moment and think about how your self-pity-based complaining appears in light of everything that Jesus died to give us. He did not die so that we could wallow. So if that might be you, please, and I say this as kindly but firmly as I can, stop it. Stop it right now. And if it's not you, but you know who that, that that is right now, just drop them a link to this episode, you know, and they can flame on me. They can you can say she told me to do it. Don't blame me. They can flame on me all they want. It's totally fine. But somebody might hear this word. And they might decide to start trusting the Lord a whole lot more than they have been. And what comes with that might be a whole new level of freedom, freedom from self-pity that they maybe have never, ever even known before. Okay, so please share if you feel led to share. All right, public service announcement over. Matthew 6, verses 31 through 34. So I'm thinking I'm going to put in the show notes, these verses from the ESV and the Amplified. So first I'm going to read the Amplified and the second I will read aloud the ESV. So here we go. All right. Amplified. Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted, saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? For the pagan Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. But do not worry for your heavenly father knows that you need them. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, and now from the ESV. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Remember, these are words in red. So this is Jesus talking here. And um, make note mentally, kind of make a mental note of, of where, where the Lord says there, your heavenly father, he's yours. This is your heavenly father watching out for you at your point of need. Okay, remember that your, this isn't just a, we read it and it's this, yeah, yeah, general overarching, sure, God is the God of all creation. Yeah, you better believe he is, but he is your heavenly father in this context, in this verse. Okay, so I'm going to take a really wild guess here and say that this just might resonate with somebody today. Maybe even a couple of somebody's living in this current coronavirus era. These are unprecedented times. When when I'm you know I was sitting here fiddling around working on this episode thinking about things and um I uh, saw on the news um, Boris Johnson the prime minister is uh, in the intensive care unit with COVID nineteen and the death rate in the UK is pretty high like over ten percent I think in um. Italy, it's still pretty high. Spain, really high. One of those places, it's like 13% almost. So we've been recently advised to start wearing masks out in public in the United States, right? Because I think they see the potential for spread versus, you know, it's just wear the mask, right? Now, of course, ours aren't PPE masks. They're just normal cloth masks, but that still helps. Okay, so we've been told to wear masks. Have you ever had that happen before in the course of your life? No, that's unprecedented. We um, Let's see, what about online grocery orders, which everybody is using? When I order groceries, I'm usually ordering like, I don't know, almost a week out before I can schedule a pickup. And then a lot of, sometimes as much as half of what I've ordered was unavailable. Never had that happen like that before. Never went to the store and been unable to get half of what was on my list. It's crazy. So like, I mean... Things that you just never would have dreamt are possible are happening all around us. It's, I haven't driven my car and I don't even know how long, you know, I mean, 30 days to the gallon is what it feels like right now. It's a really bizarre season of life. And it's literally the entire world going through this stuff at the same time. That's kind of like, what the what? This is crazy. This is not something that we experience all that often over the course of all our lives, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, like, this is a big deal. And we have started getting prayer requests in our family, personally, um, from local people that are becoming dangerously ill with this. Um, We've been pretty insulated right here in the middle of the country so far. And um, so you know, that first person that you hear from that's like connected to you somehow, yeah, that's, it begins to hit home and you feel like, oh, what's coming? What's coming? Wow. Very uncertain times. So if you have younger children, they may be really unsettled right now. They might be acting out. They could be weary, like worn out, kind of weary, deep down in their bones, weary. That's not always normal for children growing up in a westernized culture. They could be under a lot more stress than they're used to. And they will show that in ways that are not the same way that adults Act out in their stress, they could be afraid, just kind of in a short and like a sort of like in a shocked state of being because their whole world has been upended, and that's not an exaggeration. It, their whole world, if you're a young child, your whole world has been upended, and your mind is not really making sense of all of this. So, you could be a brand new homeschooler now, right? Um, in fact, I'm sure a lot of you are, and that has probably just changed your life. So, hey, listen, I gotta tell you this. As a mom of five who homeschooled all my kids for about a quarter of a century, 25 years, here is a little tidbit that you don't hear all that often about homeschooling. And I don't think I shared it all that often. Um, because usually when I was talking to people, I have friends who are educators in the public school system. And um, I just, it doesn't really, this, so yes, of course, homeschooling has come up in a lot of different facets. And, um, and then of course you go to the grocery store and if people find out you homeschool, they ask you questions. So an extended family. And so you have all these conversations, but one thing that just never really comes up is that homeschooling changes the mom way, way more than it changes the kiddos. So if you're feeling some weird stretching, yeah, that's for real. Yep. Sorry. I never warned y'all. Um, maybe I should have, I don't know. It just really never came up on the priority list of things to talk about regarding homeschooling, but uh, it will change you. It'll take you, mama and it'll break you, mama. And then it'll remake you, mama. That is what homeschooling does. So you're, if you're feeling it, it's real. It's not exaggerated. Your kids are feeling it too. You're, they're feeling it too. They're about to have Easter Sunday in a way that they didn't even have the ability to fathom not that long ago. So, This passage from Matthew is pretty fitting. I'm serious when I say, I think it probably strikes a nerve, hits home for just so many of us. But the upside of that is like, does that not make you thankful for God's word and that Jesus spoke so powerfully on subject matter that touches us in our hearts and minds right here at this exact moment in time? I mean, like right now, this is for us. Just think about that. Look how much the Lord cares Look at what he wrote to you so that you would have it when you need it, which is right now. So that's the number one thing to take away today. Think about how dearly loved you are that this has been provided for you for right now, for this moment in time. You're not forgotten. You're not abandoned. You are not set aside. Listen, when you're tucked away, It can feel like you're set aside, but being tucked away is not the same as being set aside. And somebody needs to hear that today. You've been tucked away. You're being protected. You are not set aside. You're not cast off. All right. So this passage we're looking at has some really specific wording. Like it gets really exact, kind of like I think of an exacto knife, you know, it's just sharp and pointed and very much capable of doing the job that it was perfectly designed to do with total ease and total finality. That exacto knife gets the job done. So these are very exact words for us today. Here's what I want to say about this passage. Don't live faithless today. Whatever that feeling of faithless might look like for you, because it's probably very different for each one of us, if we're, if we're honest. Like, I can be full of faith in one area right over here, and then just completely devoid of faith. It's just bankrupt in that area. Like living totally underneath of an oppressive sense of panic, worry, concern over, over XYZ in this whole other area, right? And what's wild is those two areas might be really super closely related. And in one area, like I'm good, I'm standing on the solid rock and I have zero worries and total faith, but then right next door, right there, right there, you're in the grocery store and right on the next shelf down, right there, the next book on the bookshelf, so to speak, Right there, I'm fretting and I'm a nervous wreck and I'm uncertain and I'm feeling very much alone in that area of life. So I doubt I'm the only one who can have side-by-side issues with shockingly vast differences when it comes to my weak areas where, okay, and by weak area in this context, I mean an area where, we, where maybe fear seems to be dominant. And then my strong areas where my faith is just immovable and certain. Listen, I have this one example of just knowing that you know that I want to share real quick. And I have friends who can tell you this is true, not a made up story. Okay, so it's time to um, start the football season, NFL season a few years back, right? And it was August. And I remember saying to people, I'm not going to go into the details of why, but saying, um, in August, we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. And, um, you know, I have been a fan since the eighties of a team that has won the Super Bowl a lot of times. And that probably tells you all you need to know about who I'm reading for. Um, but don't stop listening to this because the story is important, right? So, so of course we, you know, all through the postseason, the whole season, I'm just not, not worried because it wasn't really that I made up my mind that I wanted us to win or I had some weird, um, you know, I just, I just knew I just knew, and I knew in a way that it was like from the Lord. I knew, like I just knew. And that might sound stupid, like God doesn't care. Well, I know, but I mean, He gave me this 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 real world example to show me that when he, that He can speak into anything, and that we can have faith like, when He drops something, it was an example for me that I will never forget. That when He drops something into you, and it's just such pure, you know, and nobody can convince you otherwise, you know what God said on an issue. That's it. Period. The end. Like you're not budgable. I was not budgable. It was like that. And uh, my husband and I have been in youth ministry. You probably know that from listening to the podcast and um, annual Super Bowl parties were a thing. And so at this Super Bowl, we were not doing well, right? We were not doing well. Um, other family members were like, this is impossible. My son was like, mom, we can't come back with this. I mean, we were, we were hurting. It was the fourth quarter and it was, we had three points on the board and um, the other team had 28. So that's sad. That's like, doesn't seem possible. But I had like, I just knew, I just knew, I mean, God had dropped it in there and I knew. And when it started to just kind of come unchained, I leaned back to a couple of boys in the youth group. I said, here it is right now. Here we go. We're about to win this thing. And they're looking at me like, lady, you're crazy, whatever. But we did win that Super Bowl. My team did. I didn't. I don't, You say we, but it's like I did not have anything to do with it. But what's, what I love about that is that God told me, and there was just such certainty in what he told me. And when you have faith like that, it's immovable. It's certain. It's solid. If you've never had an experience like that, ask him for one. Ask him to give you one. Ask him to just drop something in you. Not even something where you pick it. Because I didn't pick this. I don't pray about football. I didn't. It just was the Lord gave that to me. And it was like so cool to be like, wow, that's what it's like to have, you know, certainty that something is going to turn out just like this. Not something that you ask for. Something that he drops in your life. I want to challenge you, first of all, to do that. Come up with something, you know, just be brave enough to say, Lord, drop something. And then bring it about because you won't forget that. So like here I am in this spot that could be really uncomfortable. I haven't really left my home since uh, March 15th. Um, You know, I'm just, I could be starting to come unhinged, but then you think, you know what, I have moments like that where I know what it means when God makes a promise and keeps it. And that's how faithful he is. That's how faithful he is. He wants me to be that certain, like I was over a silly football game. He wants me to be that certain about every promise that he speaks. So, okay, that's what that story is about. So that's what it's like when your faith is immovable and certain. So whatever your ups and downs are right now, like just don't live faithless today. You can have ups and downs. We're all going to have them, but don't be faithless. Don't be faithless. Look, I can't tell you, I cannot say to you, don't live faithful, faithless for the next 30 days or however long these things might continue like, like it has been recently. Um, I do know that this is probably going to have an am- impact beyond the next 30 days, but I'm also praying for the least possible impact, as well as for just a holy revival within our culture. So, But I can't say to you, don't be faithless in the future, because I know if I tell you that, what happens is you're going to start to do this thing that we almost do internally, almost automatically. We start to kind of save up or ration out our faith. Yeah, I got to have enough faith. I got to make this we we start to think without even knowing it. We start thinking, I got to have make this faith last for however long. 30 days or whatever. So I better I better not spend it all right now. You start leaning towards spreading it out and you don't really know how long the spread needs to be. So, you use the least amount possible today just to try and sort of mitigate things down the road, right? and we all do this it's not even something we think about consciously we just start shifting into the gear that wants to spread this out be cautious be rational take it easy don't get too excited about things over here and don't you know we don't know what what the next news story is going to bring so don't, uh, and now don't confuse the next news story with believing God. But boy, we do that. Like, I'm afraid to really believe God here, because I don't know what's right around the corner. This is so uncertain. It sure is. But that doesn't change the fact that God is totally believable. Right? So but subconsciously, we just start shifting into that gear, dole this out in bits and pieces. But that is not at all how the kingdom of God operates. So I'm not going to tell you to live faithless for the next 30 or however many days. I will tell you, Today, right now, live with full faith, full throttle, pedal to the metal, put it on the floor, believe in God, faith, and then do the same thing tomorrow. If you, you know, it would be better for you to say today, I'm going to burn up everything in this gas tank and my gas tank of faith. I'm going to drive it till it drops, baby. I'm going to do that today. I'm going to use up all of it today and then do the same thing again tomorrow. You're going to be so much more refreshed and revitalized, and alive, and living the abundant life the Lord has for you, even in these crazy circumstances, you're going to live. But if you try to like dole it out, and spread it out, and oh, I don't want to, what if I only have so much faith, I don't want to use it all up right now, I better save some, you're going to be living lean and meager, just really live this puppy, right? Because what other choice do you have? What other choice do you have? Get in the game, man. This is it. Faith is for now. So don't live faithless today. Jesus here in Matthew 6, he gives us the exact words for our situation. Do not worry. And the Amplified tells us that worry includes being anxious, perpetually uneasy. Uh, yeah, that sounds like 2020. Uh, dun, dun, dun. And here's the big one for all of us right now. So listen up, please. Do not be distracted. Yeah, I'm going to say that again for you. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not let yourself fall into the trap of feeling perpetually uneasy. Do not be distracted. Well, folks, this would, of course, include our cell phones, which I know that you know, but we all need to hear it again because we live with them glued to our hand and our eyes apparently glued to the screen. So as in that when you're listening to this podcast on right now, that cell phone, don't let those suckers distract you. Just don't do it. If you're unable to concentrate because your mind is preoccupied, Um, that's not good. That's not the way the Lord wants you to live. We have this worldwide pandemic and it's just running, 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 running nonstop in the background. It's pretty easy to be preoccupied right now, maybe easier than ever, but Jesus said not to be, not to be. It can be defined as being disturbed, troubled in your mind. Yeah, that's what preoccupied is. So that's a fair description of life today we're very much disturbed and troubled in our minds but we have to not let ourselves become ill at ease to become too overwrought on edge apprehensive perturbed or fraught we have to we have to make a decision that we're going to agree with the lord on this and obey him and not be distracted so start to feel that way right when it starts to rise up inside you just shut it down just deny those feelings any sort of access to your heart and mind Turn on worship music if you need to. Go work on a craft project with your kids. Don't let your mind wander. And I got to tell you, probably most educators will tell you right now, it's not going to be the end of the world um, if you do a craft project with your kids today and maybe don't get all of the extra reading done or them sitting there at the end of the table and they're getting stressed to the nines and you're just scrolling through the phone reading the news. You might need to just take 20 minutes and do a fun project together and laugh, you know, Uh, Turn on the Wii. Does anybody even still have a Wii? We played Rabbit Rabbits the other night, which is a hilarious, insane game. If you've never played it, it's just awesome. So um, it is a tension breaker and it can really be good for your kids. And I think educators, my friends that are educators, would say, yeah, don't let your kids begin to slip into despair and don't hammer them all the time and don't just. Give them room to feel this because if they don't feel it now, it's going to pile up inside and they're going to feel it later and it's, it's going to be worse. So let them feel it and then go back to the math assignment and they'll probably get it done way quicker. Okay, again, 25 years of homeschooling. I'm telling you, sometimes that really short break, you know, they got recess at school. They had a lunch break with their friends. It's totally okay for them to not have lunch be a PB&J on a napkin well, you're, you never take your eyes off your phone and they have no interaction and they're, you know, you slide the math worksheet away and you slide the science, whatever, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you just slip one out and slip the other in. Let them have a break. It's good for them and good for you. Um, talk to them, listen to them. Don't let your mind wander when they're talking. This is important. Fully engage with them and just disengage with the tension that's trying to press down on you because it's going to keep trying read a book that you like, like just for the fun of it. Go outside, sit in the sunshine in the backyard, let the dog lie down at your feet and read a magazine. When was the last time that you did that? Let a sense of ease wash over you. Because you know that that's what Jesus said in Matthew 6 is true for you. This is yours. He wants you to live like it's yours. Because he gave it to you. If he gave you something... He wants you to be blessed by it. So every good gift comes from the Lord. That's in James chapter one. And maybe um, if you don't know what to read, I would say during Holy Week, you need to read the Gospels, right? For sure. Um, But maybe next week, you're not sure what to read in the Bible. You could spend a week on James, the book of James, and it would, you know, write, pray about what you read, journal what you read. It's a great book. So the exact words in red here in Matthew six are don't be worried, anxious, or uneasy, distracted by what you're going to eat. Yep. That's pretty relevant right now. Stores are low on milk and bread and I cannot for the life of me get the frozen veggies that I would like to have just for our daily dinner. Like I don't, not stockpiling anything, but just, just to have for dinner. So that totally applies. What are you going to eat? Right? Sort of a shocker that for those of us who live in the United States who are still employed and we're doing, you know, doing all right to not have food staples like milk and bread. And then of course, toilet paper, like it's so weird. And, and worrying about what we'll drink and what we'll wear, those kind of fall into that category of things that we need. It's now, maybe it's not, what are we going to drink? And what are we going to wear? Maybe it's like, what are we going to do next month? What's going to happen? Is my daughter going back to college in Pennsylvania next fall or not? Because her college is saying that maybe they won't be back. Like, is uh, my daughter's her seniors in college? What's her graduation going to be? I think one of them is going to graduate in October at homecoming. Wow. So weird. Like, you, so it's easy to fall into that thing of wondering, but what, 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 what? And our wondering can start with curiosity. I wonder if there's an update from that college. I wonder if there's an update like curiosity and then it can lead to worry. So be careful with that too. Once you know something, just, um, you read that news article, get off the internet, walk away, take a break, don't let it turn into worry. Okay, so we know that we need these things. And we know, boy, I don't? this is tough to say, look, we know what we need. And we get so focused on what we need. I think sometimes we get so hyper aware that we need those things. And Jesus is just trying here to just put this into its rightful place. And he reminds us that the pagans, who don't really want anything at all to do with God, they eagerly seek after these things. I love that he says all these things, all the things. Yet we don't need to live seeking after all the things because we have him and he is everything. When we live eager, anxious, worried, and focused on getting all the things, we're living just like those people who've chosen to totally disregard our Lord. Why would we willingly do that? Why would we do that? It is not who we are. It is not who we are. Know who you are and know who you are not. You are not a pagan who doesn't want anything to do with the Lord and spends their life on all the things. Don't live like that. Here's who you are. You are a child of God. That's who you are. You are not someone perpetually uneasy by everything going on around you. You're not worried about what might be a very real need in the very near future. You're not worried about that. No, not even this crazy circumstance can redefine who you are. Does that make sense? This cannot redefine who you actually are. Listen, if Jesus said that your heavenly father knows you have needs, then he knows. Period. He knows. Can you draw some comfort and some peace of mind from that truth today? He knows. He knows about you, Y-O-U, he knows. So first and most importantly, seek after, strive after God's kingdom and his way of doing, his way of being, which is the right way, by the way. And the promise for us today is that then, then all these things, double underline that word will, okay, all these things will, will be given to you also. So all means all. And when you say that word will, say it with some authority, baby, you know, say it out loud, say it out loud, speak that over your circumstances, my God will give me all these things that he knows I have need of. And I am going to put his kingdom in his way of living first. And I'm gonna do it today. And I'm going to call it done. And then the very last bit here in verse 34, it says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, guys, we can't afford to go down the path of least resistance right now. We just can't. That's bad mojo. And that path, the one of least resistance, is the one of fretting and worrying and living anxiously. We just can't go there. We cannot go there. We have an enemy who wants us to go there, and he's going to be tempting us to go there all day, every day. Don't go there. The hard truth is that each and every day brings with its dawning enough, like enough trouble of its own. I have no idea what tomorrow will bring in terms of trouble. I just don't know, but it will be enough. That's what I do know. I'm already told that tomorrow brings enough, right? So it's kind of like enough is enough. You get me on that one? Let let the enough that Jesus said will be in each day be enough and no more. No more. Don't add to it by pondering tomorrow. Don't give into the temptation to contemplate what is incomprehensible anyway. Just don't go there. Enough is Enough. And when a new day comes, and what it holds is just so much, if it's just so big, that it's out of control and overwhelming, even if a day comes where that's your reality on those days, just hang tight to the truth that Jesus is more than enough. Okay, so that's it for today. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep it about 35 minutes. So that's plenty long enough for a podcast. Thank you for listening. Next time is part two of Psalm 1. And... Just the kind of crazy, rich, amazing, unbelievable promises that God has for us in Psalm 1. So we're going to be back to that. And also my new and improved website is up and running. It is not perfect, but it is out there for the world to examine. So it's janelbert.com. Take a look. I hope there's something there that draws you closer to Jesus and that will help you want to make him famous all around the world. Okay, so let's do that together. Let's make him famous through this situation. All right, I'll be back here again soon for episode 23. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.